This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Kia ora and welcome to the Pet Podcast. Pet is a dark and humorous short story collection that explores our relationships with children, lovers and other animals. The stories in this collection were written by Catherine Van Beek. In episode 9, Winter, a suburban home fills up with strange treasures. Read by Ollie Olsen. Scott raked his gloved hands through the seaweed and packed the choicest clumps into his rucksack. He was sure he looked odd to the dog walkers passing by, but his garden would thank him for his efforts. A tiny crustacean lay in the silvery tracks his fingers had made in the sand and He'd found stranger things down here by the rocks. A mannequin's head wrapped in plastic, a glass bong, the injured oyster catcher that he and Carly had taken home and nursed overnight. But today, there was just the same grey sea, the same grey sky, the same thoughts and the same head he'd like to blast off or fill up with smoke if he wasn't so damn Presbyterian. (laughs) Scott filled the bag hoisted it onto his back, and trudged up the slippery stone steps. He pulled his beanie further down over his ears, took a step toward home, and and then turned the other way. Screw it. He'd stroll through the village and treat himself to a coffee, maybe even a second-hand book. The local proprietors had seen and smelt plenty worse than his sodden rucksack. He walked past Wildcliffs until he got to the port, where neat pyramids of felled pine waited to be shipped. Near the footpath, a small bright object lay beneath a bush, a child's shoe, white, with sparkling hearts across the toe. He bent to reach it, bracing his legs to compensate for the weight of his pack. He wiped the cold mud off the sole with a leaf, traced the hearts with his finger. A jogger rounded the corner and ran toward him, and Scott stuffed the shoe into his pocket. He nodded at the jogger as she passed by, the shoe a small fire in his coat. The last of the iceberg roses had withered on the archway, and the empty bird bath cast a long shadow outside the bungalow. Scott dropped his rucksack onto the steps, opened the front door, and walked into the lounge, where Carly sat beside the fire a hairdryer humming in her hand. She looked up, guiltily. I... I know it looks bad. I didn't say anything. Carly switched the hairdryer off. You do have to clean and style them every few months, you know, so they stay in good condition. And she picked up a soft bristle toothbrush and ran it through Petunia's hair. Petunia stared at Scott with wide green eyes. Well, thank goodness you're on to it. Imagine if they got dirty and we had to throw them away. Mm. Carly rolled her eyes. You were longer than usual. I stopped in at Finder's Keepers. We've got enough books, don't we? Ah, but do we have enough books about the effects of classical music on plant growth? Scott asked, producing a yellowed paperback from his left pocket. What have you got in your other pocket? Scott brushed his fingers over the shoe-sized bulge in his coat. 
Petrified wood for my students. He held the book out to Carly, but she waved it away. It was just another object to be toyed with and then cast into the graveyard that had once been the spare room. It was long ago now that they'd poured over coloured charts, stripped the old wallpaper and painted the walls half-thistle pink. I thought your lemons were enjoying their Mozart. Mm. What they need is Vivaldi, Scott said, indicating the book, The Four Seasons. Naturally. You may scoff, but the proof will be in the lemon meringue pie. Scott opened his book and flipped through the pages. Did you know Vivaldi wrote a poem for each of the concerti? Listen to this. We tread the icy path slowly and cautiously. We slip to the ground and, rising, hasten on the across the ice lest it cracks. We feel the chill winds cause through the home despite the locked and bolted doors. Hmm, that sounds awfully familiar. Scott continued flicking through the book. He wondered if he should play the winter concerto to the lemon trees for seasonal relevance, or the summer one to give them something to look forward to. Are you listening to me? He looked up. Oh, um, sorry. Carly frowned. I said I'm still waiting for three charity auction artists to get back to me. Why can't people just answer their emails? Scott raised his shoulders in a shrug and glanced around the room, meeting the eyes of six eerily realistic dolls. He knew all their damn names now. Petunia on Carly's lap, Clementine, Imogen, and Magnolia on the credenza. Paloma and Antonia on the mantelpiece and someone new perched on a cushion on the occasional chair. The interloper was a petulant-looking blonde, hands balled as though she was about to throw a tantrum. Scott crossed the room, tucked his hand into the back of her dress, and pulled out her name tag, Arabella. Carly studiously brushed Petunia's hair. Carly? Hmm? Did you think I wouldn't notice another doll? Oh, what other doll? This one, Arabella. Carly lowered the toothbrush with alarming slowness. It's my money. Well, it's my house too, and I don't want any more dolls in it. I only buy one a year. You might live for another fifty years. Have you thought about that? If you keep this up, we'll become a tourist attraction. Oh, you're being ridiculous. (sighs) How much did it cost? I thought we were saving up for double glazing. The neighbours will think we're nuts. Carly looked out the window. The tabby cat from over the road sauntered across their lawn. If their biggest worry is the view into our lounge as they walk past, I envy them, Carly said. She picked up the hairdryer, turned it to full, and aimed it casually towards Scott, who turned and snapped through the rows of CDs on the bookcase. Schubert, Strauss, Telemann, Verdi, Vivaldi. He pulled out the four seasons. I just think it's time to get real. And he strode from the house, banged the door behind him and kicked the rucksack down the steps. He walked around the back of the bungalow, stepped into the greenhouse and inhaled the warm, sweet air. 
Some of the lemon trees were laden with green and golden treasure, and some were festooned with sweet white flowers, and others were sprinkled with tiny pink buds. At the back of the greenhouse was a stereo. It sat on a shelf, head-braced to the frame himself. He turned off the magic flute and inserted the Four Seasons and skipped straight to winter. To the sound of Vivaldi's stinging winds, he packed seaweed around slender tree trunks and he pulled his pocket knife from his jeans and jettisoned imperfect leaves. As he worked, the music transitioned from Allegro non molto to Largo, revealing winter's warmer side. Ah, what had the poem said? We rest contentedly beside the hearth while those outside are drenched by pouring rain. And he looked up into the house where he could see Carly in the kitchen, bathed in warm light. He slipped his hand into his pocket. The shoe. He returned to the back of the greenhouse where his other successful carpentry project awaited him. He'd actually gone to night classes to learn how to make the chest with the ornate lid. He unlocked it and put the shoe inside. It lay beside the red apple hair tie he'd found in a car park and the tiny daddy's girl T-shirt that was still wrapped in plastic. He locked the chest and stared down at it. Was he resting contentedly beside the hearth, or was he drenched by the pouring rain? Hmm, sometimes it was hard to tell. The air outside the greenhouse was thick with chimney smoke, and Scott's pockets were heavy with lemons. He followed the path back around the house, where the tabby cat now lay in the bird bath, licking its paws like a greedy despot. Scott threw a lemon at the concrete pedestal, and the cat looked up, glared, and continued licking. Scott opened the front door and almost tripped over a rectangular white box in the hallway. He bent over it. Carly's work address was crossed off the label, and the details for Foundlings, Inc. were written beside it in her careful calligraphy. As he read, a lemon flower fell from his coat and landed on the lid. Looking at it, Scott felt a twist in his throat. He pulled the knife from his pocket, flicked out the blade, and cut the top off the box with four perfect slices. He pulled the cardboard away to reveal Arabella, her eyes big and bright as if she were about to cry. Scott picked her up. There, there, he said. He carried her into the lounge and sat her back on her chair and stroked her hair. He turned and saw Carly standing in the doorframe, watching. I hope I haven't made her dirty. I, I just... I, I, I just wanted to get her out of there. Night fell quickly, as though a blanket had been thrown over the house. Carly made seafood chowder for dinner and Scott made lemon meringue pie for dessert. He set it down on the table and cut into it. It looks beautifully silky, said Carly. I think it's your best yet. Oh, I'm not sure. The toppings collapsed a bit. He passed a piece to Carly. She took a golden spoonful and closed her eyes. Mmm, delicious, she said. You're a maestro. And they ate in silence. From where he sat, 
Scott could see into the lounge. He could see his rescued Arabella nestled against the cushions on the occasional chair. They finished eating, and Carly stood to clear away the plates. Scott stood up too and pulled Carly to him. Her arms wrapped around his back, and behind him, the fire flickered in the hearth. The Pet Podcast was written by Catherine Van Beek and produced at ORFM, Autopoti Dunedin. Music is by Jolin Mulholland. The intros and outros are read by me, Tina Turntables. Thank you to Creative New Zealand and New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible. You can listen again and find further episodes of Pet at ORFM. That's oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.